0: Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series on the full armor of God. Now, I've got a lot of scriptures that I'm going to go through this morning. Um, I'm preaching on the Bible. So there's a lot of word, and we're going to have a lot of scriptures. Um, I want you to lock in with me today. I feel in my spirit that uh, God is imparting to us a spirit of intercession. And there are some of you in the room that just being here... As I minister this message, your spirit is supposed to intercede through this sermon. And a full moment of transparency, about 30 seconds before I was to come up here, I felt weariness and exhaustion just wash over me. I felt like energy just drained from my body. That's spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I believe I know that often the way that the Lord reveals spiritual warfare when you're going to minister is he allows you to experience what others in the room may be experiencing. So if you've experienced confusion, if you've experienced weariness, if you've experienced um, exhaustion, the Lord wants to deliver you from that this morning. And so I want us to lock in in intercession today. What does that mean? It it means that for some of you, you're not just supposed to sit here and listen. You're supposed to participate in this, this sermon this morning, this message this morning. I believe the Lord has given me a word for us and that the word of God is going to come alive within us. And the Bible says that the sword of the spirit is our offensive weapon in the full armor of God. And the enemy does not want you to become aware of the weapon that is at your disposal. Oh, that went over well. That ought to fire somebody up. I said the enemy does not want you to become aware of the weapon that is at your disposal. And so this morning, God wants to give us a revelation of the weapons that we have. And I know that the works of the enemy want to prevent the revelation from being delivered. But we have authority over every form of darkness. So I want you all to just stand on your feet for just a moment. If you have the gift of tongues I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. We're not prophesying in tongues, we're just praying in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when we pray in the Holy Spirit that we pray the perfect will of the Father and the mysteries of heaven. Oh. I just want you to posture your heart to receive. Just hold your hands out and posture your heart to receive. So Father, I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears this morning. I pray that we would see and hear what the Spirit is doing and saying. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would anoint my voice today, God. I pray that I would speak only what it is that you want spoken today. Father, we bind and rebuke every spirit but the Holy Spirit, and we lift up Jesus as the highest authority in our lives, in our families, in mercy culture, on this property, in our city, in our state, the nation, and the nations of the world. Jesus, you are the highest authority. So Lord, I pray that as I deliver the word this morning, that the sword of the Spirit will conquer every lie of the enemy. I declare this morning that bodies will be healed today through the preaching of the word. I declare this morning that marriages would be restored today through the preaching of the word. I declare this morning that the back of depression would be broken, that anxiety would be driven out, that suicide would be driven out. I declare that clarity would come upon confusing situations. I declare, Father, in the name of Jesus, that exhaustion and weariness would be lifted off of people's lives today through the preaching of the word of God. Let your word come alive. And Father, we declare that it will accomplish everything that it was sent to do in this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say, Amen. 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 Have a seat. Did you feel the shift in the room? I got a lot of stuff to go over, but there's nothing like watching something happen. Did you feel the shift in the room? So, some of you have been uncomfortable with praying in the Holy Spirit. I understand. I can imagine coming in. And asking people to stand up and all of a sudden people just start praying in some something. You're like, what in the name, what in God's name is happening in here? These people done set up a tent in the middle of a parking lot. They are waving flags, they jumping around, they speaking Hebrew. What is going on? Elohim, Adonai, what in the what is happening in this place? Somebody might blow a shofar. You never know what's gonna happen around here. And I could just see people sometimes like this. A lot of times it's the men looking at their wives like, I told you that these people were crazy. And you made me come to church this morning. And then I watch as people's faces begin to change. It was a couple of Sundays ago I was preaching a message. And if you've been around here very long, you know I'm not exactly a shrinking violet when it comes to some of these issues. And sometimes there's a lot of clarity that comes out and people are like, whoa, wait a second. I don't know. That really bothers my political stance and that bothers the way I feel about this and I really like that and I see people get angry and then you just start reading the word of God and clarity begins to be revealed and I watch people's faces like from anger to oh man he didn't have to tell me that he didn't have to reveal the word now I'm responsible for what the bible says it was a one time I was sitting in a service and it was in Fort Worth our our Mercy Culture Fort Worth campus, and Pastor Landon was preaching this message, and he said, said, if you're sleeping with somebody who is not your spouse, you are living in sin. And I heard somebody about three rows back. She goes, oh, and she just cussed right in the middle of service. One of the greatest moments that ever happened in church. I about fell out of my chair, dying laughing. And I knew what she was thinking. I knew I should have stayed home from church today. Just this revelation, like, I didn't even know that. I, you mean I'm out to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. She was so mad. And I was thinking, "Ain't she ain't as mad as her boyfriend's going to be when she gets home?" <laughs> but the word of God brings clarity. The word of God separates and it brings clarity, and it's why when you begin to walk in righteousness and holiness, you begin to frustrate and upset some people. And when you begin to make the decision that I'm going to be led by the word of God, no matter what happens and no matter what comes, you start to feel spiritual warfare. And what happens is the enemy, one of his greatest tools and weapons is that he's convinced believers that there's no such thing as the demonic. We got a lot of Christians walking around that are convinced that there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. So they feel anxiety. They they feel fear. They feel confusion. They go to the doctor instead of praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. Don't, I, don't send me an email. I don't care. It's going to the junk folder. Thank you. My brother just clapping. Right? <laughs> go to the doctor, whatever. What I'm telling you is that we have leaned on everything except for the weapons of our warfare. We have picked up every other counterfeit weapon, and we've tried to use that. So that's why we're hyped up, pilled up, drugged up, drunk up. We're partying. We're sexing. We're doing anything and everything that we can do to try to solve a spiritual problem with a natural solution. But the Bible has given us spiritual weapons for a spiritual problem. And so when you feel that confusion and you feel the fear and you feel the exhaustion, the first step to spiritual warfare is recognizing that you're in a spiritual battle. Because I'll tell you, sitting right there on the front row, I began to think, man, maybe I should, is it, did I have too much caffeine? I knew I didn't have too little caffeine. Because if y'all see, somebody told me the other day, they're like, you have taught me that you can connect with God while holding a cup of coffee. And I'm good at it because I can hold the coffee and not even spill it. It's amazing. It just stays right there. It's a spiritual gift. So I know it wasn't too little caffeine. I thought maybe I've overrun my adrenal glands with too much caffeine. And I began to think through all the things and I had a hard time sleeping last night and weird stuff happened because we're in a spiritual battle and the enemy knows that I'm gonna come and deliver a word and that the word of God is gonna set you free this morning. So stupid stuff was happening and alarms went off in our house in the middle of the night over and over and over again and things started going and I couldn't sleep and, and I woke up just exhausted and my wife, I came out at 5 a.m. and she goes, you okay? I'm like, I look that bad. (laughs) I feel that bad. I feel like I got hit by a Mack truck. But then I felt energy, and I'm sitting there on the front row going through all of the natural things, and I'm like, man, I am stinking preaching on spiritual warfare, and I'm not fighting a spiritual battle in this moment. That's why I told the people of God, let's pray in the Holy Spirit. And I just want to reveal some of these things, because in my mind, what's going on in that moment Is what about visitors? What about people that are here? There's not even music playing. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand up and just, you But people are going to think we're crazy. They already think we're weird and all this stuff. And I have to take control of the flesh and lean into the spirit. And then what happened? The spirit broke. And you could feel it lift. And even if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, you can't deny what you feel happening. So when you're feeling that in your own home, in your own marriage, you ever been in an argument with your spouse that doesn't make any sense? And you're frustrated and you're angry and you're biting each other's head off and everything's going on and you don't know why. And the last thing on the planet Earth or the skies above that you want to do is hold their hand and say, baby, let's pray. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't look. Don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband. Just look straight ahead. I'm gonna help y'all out. You wanna have a nice lunch? Just don't even make it. Don't even flinch. Some of you wives said I felt that. The last thing you wanna do, and sometimes you just grab your precious wife's hand and you go, "We should pray. We should pray." Nick, you just lay hands on me. God, I pray you deliver my husband from all of the. She said, honey, I have a word of knowledge for you. (laughs) I said, keep it to yourself. Write it down. You can submit it via mail. (laughs) P.O. box. (laughs) Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And so the enemy doesn't want you to fight a spiritual battle using spiritual tools. He wants to exhaust you And convince you to fight a spiritual battle using natural tools and natural weapons. And so you go to counselors. And I'm not, again, don't send me an email. I'm telling you, it's okay to go to counselors. Counseling is beautiful. Sometimes marriage counseling is amazing and it's what you need if you go to people with wisdom and people that are saved. And Jesus is Lord. Okay and you get wisdom that comes from the word of God that can be a beautiful thing but people fight these spiritual battles and they with natural tools and they're reading all these books and they're coming with and they're going to sources that don't know Jesus and don't get their wisdom from the word of God and all it does is bring more and more confusion in their marriage and what needs to happen is a spiritual battle and oftentimes when you get into spiritual battle the Lord will lead you into using some natural tools i'm not against those tools but the first step in a spiritual battle must be a spiritual weapon. And nobody demonstrates this better than our Lord Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. If you want my notes, I encourage you this morning, text the word notes to 590-90. And you're going to get a link back. It's to the Bible app. We put all of our notes in there. And you can click at the top of that app, you can click save, and you can actually go back and look through. And within that app, you can take your own notes. It's a great tool to have. But I got a lot of scripture to go to, and I want you to save it because you need to read these, some of these scriptures over your life later. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus in the wilderness. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. But if you don't know that Jesus was... Um, it led the bible says in by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil so the spirit of god led jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil cuz sometimes temptation brings strengthening and fortifying oof i mean that's one scripture alone we could preach a message on you mean the spirit of god led jesus into the wilderness in order to be tempted by the devil yes his ways are higher than our ways and then he goes on a 40 day fast he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and i love this verse 2 it said he was hungry I thought, you, no joke I, I don't think matthew you need to put that part in there i think we knew that he was hungry anybody ever fasted 40 days and 40 nights were you hungry I was. He was hungry. In verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stoves to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, With what? With the word of God. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And then the devil does something interesting. He uses the word against Jesus. And he said to Jesus, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You see, even the devil knew that the Bible, even the Old Testament, was prophesying the coming of the Son of God that was Jesus. So Jesus quoted Old Testament scripture back at the Son of God. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, Against it is written, again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. In verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to this, All of these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him i've come to tell you this morning that jesus is the word i said jesus is the word you see this is satan's biggest problem is he tried to weaponize the word against the word and he tried to use the bible against the word of god because he didn't have a revelation of what the bible is and we've got a lot of preachers And a lot of religious leaders standing in pulpits and getting on TV and writing books and getting on social media. And they're using the word of God without the revelation of what the word of God is. And it's the word without the spirit. We've been in this series of the full armor of God. Because the Lord spoke to us at the beginning of this year and said that the word, the prophetic word of the year over mercy culture was the word dunamis, and it means the power to strengthen and fortify. We've been prophesying for a year, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. been prophesying for a year that the Lord would reveal the areas of weakness in our lives, and that he was calling us to strengthen and fortify us. I've been telling you the difficult times were coming. You remember that. This was before it was 8% mortgage rates, and and out-of-control inflation and wars and rumors of wars around the world and all the craziness that we were experiencing. The The Spirit of the Lord was speaking. Some of you remember that. And in staff meetings and small groups and serve team meetings and from the pulpit, we're telling you, prepare, prepare, prepare. Prepare your spirit. Prepare your heart. Pick up the armor of God. It's difficult times. There's a war in the Spirit. And so we've been... We've been leaning into that prophetic word of dunamis to strengthen and fortify because we knew the Lord said to finish the year strong. Strengthening and fortifying our faith by learning about and learning to wear the full armor of God. And we see it in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor. Say whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places this is spiritual warfare "'Therefore take up the whole armor of God "'that you may be able to withstand in the evil day "'and having done all to stand firm. "'Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth "'and put on the breastplate of righteousness "'and the shoes for your feet "'having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. "'And all circumstances take up the shield of faith "'with which you can extinguish the flaming darts "'of the evil one and take on the helmet of salvation "'and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, "'praying at all times in the spirit "'with prayer and supplication.'" To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. As God told us that he was creating warriors and that we must pick up our spiritual armor. We must learn about it and learn how to wear it. Pastor Landed at our Fort Worth campus just preached a masterful message on spiritual warfare. It's one of the greatest the most important spiritual warfare messages I've personally ever heard, if you put that graphic on the screen, it is called Back to Bail, and it's on YouTube for you to watch. I encourage you, snap a picture of the screen. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch this message. It's life-changing. And what is spiritual warfare? What is it? What does that mean? We talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the message, these unexplained feelings and emotions. What is spiritual warfare? It could be a feeling, a thought, are an outside influence. So that means it can come from inside of us or it may come from outside of us. Spiritual warfare, can you can feel spiritual warfare through TV, through music, through movies, through books. I want to give you a warning. You can dull your spiritual senses. The more that you expose yourself to unrighteousness, the less unrighteousness starts to bother you. My, my precious granny is here this morning. She's the greatest Christian I've ever known. And I'm not kidding. I'm really serious. And her and my grandfather who passed away last year, they taught us what righteousness truly looked like. And I saw it in my home and, and, and their home. And we'd watch movies. We'd watch TV shows. Somebody would take the Lord's name in vain. Somebody would say something out, and Papa would just stand up and turn the TV off. I don't care how invested you were in the show. I don't care how much you wanted to see it. I don't care how much you wanted to like it. He'd go, well, we're not watching that filth. Not in my house. You can let the devil in your house all you want. It's none of my business. But in my house, that's exactly what he'd say. And if you halfway looked like you were upset, you was about to get an earful. You got a problem with righteousness? Like, he would let you know. Remember, that's, we need more of that. There would be, there would be uh, commercials that would come up on TV. And back then, they would have all these. Y'all remember commercials? <laughs> Anyways, back then, they would have like Victoria's Secret commercial would come up. And these half-naked women would be on the TV. And Papa would always turn his head, look the other direction. He'd yell, ugly! <laughs> and Granny would be in the kitchen. She'd go, daddy! He'd say, mama! <laughs> and it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke. he taught us what righteousness and holiness looks like he taught us that the more you allow unrighteousness into your life the less unrighteousness starts to bother you that's why i hear things from people like oh yeah cursing just doesn't bother me that that kind of stuff doesn't bother that that you know when i watch those movies it, it doesn't bother me yes i know it doesn't bother you that's a problem it's a problem that it starts, that it stops to frustrate your spirit when you can listen to music that proclaims witchcraft and the occult. And we can watch horror movies that allow satanic worship on the screen and witchcraft. And, and we open ourselves up and then we're fearful and we can't sleep and we have anxiety and we have all of these issues. We go, I just don't understand just don't realize I guess I need more medicine instead of stopping and going what am I allowing to influence me what am I allowing into my life other outside influences that can bring spiritual warfare into your life it could be teachers friends family members you can feel spiritual warfare now remember that scripture remember Ephesians we're not wrestling against flesh and blood we're wrestling against spirits, principalities and powers that are doing their best to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. That's what we're wrestling against. So when you have spiritual discernment and you discern spiritual warfare with another person, that, that spiritual discernment is not given to you so that you may mark that person. And you go, they're evil. I'm going to mark them. I'm going to tell everybody about them. I'm going to cut them out of my life. I'm like going to have anything to do with them. I'm going to curse them because I had discernment. They're evil. No, no. You've been given spiritual discernment so that you can do spiritual warfare. That means that you are praying for that person. That you are a believing God that you ask the Lord, Lord, give me the revelation of your heart towards them. Even though they're frustrating me beyond measure, I'm going to stop and get my flesh under subjection and recognize this is not a person I'm fighting with. This is a spirit I'm fighting with. And so I'm going to address it in the spirit while maintaining my love for that person who is created in the image and likeness of God and has infinite value to him and therefore to me. Spiritual warfare can look like internal dialogue. The voices in our own head. It can look like strange or unexplained emotions. I told you I told you about it sitting there on the front row, just a wave of strange and unexplained emotions. Sometimes you can feel it as you're walking through certain areas of town and you may feel strange or unexplained emotions. You go into some people's houses, you go into some restaurants, some coffee shops, you start to feel something off, something different, begin to recognize this is spiritual warfare. And I wanna tell you, the more you pray and ask the Lord to help you in this area, the more sensitive you will become. The closer that you get to the Lord, the more that you spend time with him, the more that you have daily encounters with him, the more you will realize that the things that bother him will begin to bother you. And the stuff that that where the places that he isn't welcome, you won't feel welcome. Because the closer that you get to the Spirit, the less you can carry with you a feeling, a thought, or outside influence that is keeping you from obedience to the Lord. That might be spiritual warfare. Perhaps it's a feeling, thought, or outside influence that is speaking an identity over you that is different than what the Bible speaks over you. It's spiritual warfare. So if you have a person in your life, if you have a book that you're reading, if you have a a boss that you work for, that are family member, some of you have dear friends that consistently try to get you to do something different than what God spoke to you. They're attacking obedience. The spirit that they're operating in is attacking obedience. That spirit is speaking things over you that is contradictory to what the Lord speaks over you. There's an attack against your identity, that's spiritual warfare. Often, if it doesn't make sense, it might be spiritual warfare. That's why when you see crazy, insane things like people taking to the streets, waving flags, wearing shirts, holding signs, supporting terrorists. And you look at that and you say, how is this possible? How can people support terrorists? It doesn't make any sense. It's spiritual warfare. And I want to encourage you, call it out when you see it there's an organization right here in our city that was that was that had planned a pro hamas rally this afternoon here in waco now hamas those of you if you haven't been living under a rock most people in here know is is a terrorist organization that recently attacked the nation of israel murdered and raped and pillaged and did many horrible things And these individuals were planning a pro-hamas rally right here in our city and so i uh, called them out on social media i posted about it so this is a hate group they support hate not in our city let's make our voices known about two hours later they canceled the rally Now, is that because I'm so powerful? No, it's not. It's because darkness cannot stand in light. It's because when you flip on the light, demons run like roaches. When you bring clarity, all of a the sudden they get scared because they thrive in ambiguity and confusion. But when you just speak it clearly. Now, if I beat around the bush and, and tried, to, tried to appease and please everyone with what I said, nothing would have happened. But I called it for what it is. This is a hate group who supports raping, murdering, uh, hating, Jew-hating, beheading terrorists. Just for clarity. And they're going to have a rally in support of those things. If you would like, if you don't support those things, why don't you let them know? You can't be more clear than that. And what happens? It gets canceled. So we have to make our voices known. Flip a light on the darkness. If somebody is speaking or that spirit is operating through them and they're consistently speaking an alternate identity over you that the word of God doesn't speak over you, bring clarity. Did you mean to say that to me? I just want to repeat, this is what you just said about me. And it's very different than what the Bible speaks over me. And I want to bring clarity. Maybe you don't know what you've been speaking over my life. Most of the time, that spirit doesn't like that level of clarity. Because you flip on a light and they run and hide. Things that don't make any sense are often, like I said, spiritual warfare. That can be confusing arguments that exhaust you. And it seems to make no sense. We talked about it earlier within our marriages. It could be confusing arguments, backbiting, arguing, insulting one another. You're fighting over You ever been in the middle of a fight with somebody and you're thinking, uh, what are we fighting about? None of y'all ever done it? Well, we have. I've certainly been in a fight. I am thinking, what are we fighting about? I'm not going to let her know I don't remember. I don't know what I'm fighting about, but I'm sure I was right. I'm finna win this one. Right? Oh, we've been in that place before. That can be spiritual warfare, confusing arguments that exhaust you, harassing relationships. Relationships with people that it feels harassing and you seem to have no reason or explanation of why it's harassing. They're constantly calling you, texting you, sending you DMs. There's this harassing. It feels like they're chasing you down. It's often spiritual warfare. Do you feel afraid? are anxious every time they call or text you. Anxiety pops, begins to brew in your stomach when their name pops up. I know that for me, it has felt like at times physically like stabbing pain in my back. You can feel that rush of anxiety, that spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare can feel like confusion, fear, anxiety. It can be swirling thoughts. The inability to properly communicate, form words, or, or, have a clear thinking. It can be unexplained and sudden, paralyzing fear. You may be walking in an area, going to a restaurant, going to a coffee shop, and you feel overwhelming, sudden, unexplained, paralyzing fear, confusion. Suddenly you can't even speak clearly. It's spiritual warfare, what do we do? We begin to war in the spirit. Unexplained, sudden, paralyzing fear, like I said, it can be panic attacks, overwhelming anxiety, or dread of the future. The feeling of being accused or threatened, a desire to run from the fight, feelings of depression, a desire to isolate, consistent demonic dreams, Swirling, uncontrollable thoughts like wind in the mind. These can be feelings of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare often attacks the relationships that give you life. I know I've shared some of these points before and I'm going to share them again because it's so important that we begin to understand the spiritual battle that we are in the middle of. can feel the attack on on relationships that bring life to us many years ago you all know our our senior lead pastors who pastor mercy culture fort worth pastor landon and pastor heather and nikki and i met them very early on in our marriage and it was almost 20 years 17 18 years ago now and we had this beautiful relationship that really gave life to us for all of these years and it was uh a brother and sister that we could run with and there was life and the enemy began to attack our relationship. We were working together at a church in a different state and there was a Jezebel spirit, a spiritual warfare that began to attack our relationships and they would tell them one thing about us and then they would tell us the opposite thing about them and got us into this season of fighting and we in our young age and immaturity failed to realize that it was spiritual warfare. And it so got in between us that our relationship was severed for a period of time. And we moved and we were in different parts of the country and relationships was severed. And then one day we began to, I think it was Heather that reached out to Nikki and they had lunch. And then Pastor Landon called me and wanted to have dinner and we go to dinner. And it was a moment, it was an instant of exposing the enemy and then its power was broken why because darkness only has power until the light is revealed you never flipped on a light in a dark room and the darkness and light had a fight with one another immediately when you flip on the light the darkness is expelled from the room and so when you flip on the light of spiritual warfare darkness loses its power and often that's all it takes is an acknowledgement of what the dark spirit is trying to do and God instantly, instantaneously restored our relationship. We never had a discussion. We never sat down and made a list. You did this, and you did this, and you said that, and you said that, and let's go through inner healing and talk about it and process it. No, we just flipped on a light. We dealt with the spirit, and we moved forward because it's spiritual warfare. We've covered the helmet of salvation In this series, we've covered the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. We've covered the shield of faith. In a couple of weeks, we're going to cover the final, the breastplate of righteousness. If you've missed any of these messages, go and search Mercy Culture Waco on anywhere that you get a podcast. And all of our podcasts are available there for you. I want to encourage you to listen to them. If you listen to them once, listen to them a second time. But today, again, we're talking about the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17 says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. What is the sword of the spirit? It is the only offensive weapon in our spiritual arsenal. The sword of the spirit is not to be used as a weapon against people. Ephesians 6.12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The spiritual weapon of the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the offensive weapon in our spiritual arsenal is not used to beat people up. It's not used to take scripture and try to find fault in other people. It is a spiritual weapon. It is first and foremost a weapon against sin in our lives. Notice I said it's a weapon against sin in our life, not a weapon for you to point out sin in everybody else's life. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 says, To sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a glorious church without stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. The washing of the word. It's why it's so important to read your Bible every single day. I love it. Bill Johnson says, said somebody came to him and said, you know, pastor, I I read the Bible every day, but by the time the afternoon comes around, I forgot what I read. He goes, well, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but it still worked. So sometimes don't, don't get all worried about, well, I got to remember every single verse that I read. No, sometimes you just got to wash yourself in the word, wash yourself in the word. It is used the sword of the spirit, to help us to grow closer to God. If you want to learn about God, read the book that he wrote. We got a lot of Christians that are running around asking for a word from God, from everybody except his word. And they're running from prophet to prophet and going from Facebook prophet to Instagram apostle, looking for a word. Somebody speak over me. Do you got a word for me? You got a word for me? You got a word for me? Yeah, read the Bible. I got a word for you, live right, right? Read the Bible, let's open it up. And that's, if you want to hear from the Lord, you want to grow closer to God, read about him and his character. The Bible judges our thoughts and intentions. I know that often when we hear that word judge, some of us have grown up in a culture that the word judge alone is offensive. You can't judge me. You're not supposed to judge Who do you think you are? You can't can't judge me. And I don't like it when people judge me. And I don't want the word to judge me. I don't want God to judge me. I don't want anything to judge me. Well, let's go to Luke chapter six, verse 42. It says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take that speck out of your brother's eye." We are called to have judgment. You can have judgment without walking in a judgmental spirit. But if you lack the ability to judge between good and evil, then you lack wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, you are foolish. And if you are foolish, you will produce the fruit of foolishness. And we've got a lot of foolish people running around because they've picked up the lie of the enemy that they can't judge anything or anybody, including themselves. I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. So that's why they don't have moral clarity on any of the issues. That's why when there's issues of good and evil, they can't decide which one is which. You ever seen that old meme from the from the office? And they've got that picture. and She says that both of these pictures, they're exactly the same. Uh, maybe not. But you... That's why they look at good and evil and they go, it's the same picture. I don't understand the difference. Why? Because they have uh, have given up this spiritual ability to judge between right and wrong because they've bought the lie that it's inherently wrong to judge anything. But the Bible says we are called to judge those that are in the church and even our own actions after we can see clearly. What does that mean? It means that if you've got a log in your eye, take it out. Begin to deal with the issues within your own life first. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 5.12 says this, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So the Lord leans into hypocrisy, but I want to give some clarity this morning. I want to tell you what hypocrisy is not. You see, because The enemy does a great job of taking good principles and perverting them. And so it's a good thing to not be hypocritical. But what has happened is the world has taken that word hypocrite and used it as a weapon against all clarity a weapon against the judging between good and evil because people have decided that the word hypocrite means that if you do not live up to your standards and the ideals that you espouse 100% of the time, you're a hypocrite and you can't speak to those things any longer. If you make mistakes and you don't live up to the values that you believe in 100% of the time, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. It makes you a human being. And so what has happened is we have bought the lie that if you're not perfect, you can't speak to the issue. And so now we have nobody speaking to the issues. Because culture has said that makes you a hypocrite. And so we have acquiesced our moral responsibility to hold up principles and ideals within our own society. Hebrews chapter one, verse nine says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions because you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. How can we love righteousness and hate wickedness if we can't tell the difference between the two? We have so allowed mixture to come into our lives that we can no longer tell what is righteous and what is wicked. And one of the reasons is because when you begin to love righteousness and hate wickedness, you begin to make a lot of people angry because righteousness is a mirror to the unrighteous. And often that mirror angers them. I know what I'm talking about there was a season in my life I was so hurt in ministry and so wounded by some things that I had completely pulled away from the things of God and the last thing I wanted was to be in the presence of the Lord because I knew if I tasted the presence of God he'd have me right back my eyes would be open and I'd have to begin to pursue righteousness again and I just wasn't ready y'all know just digging in my heels some of you are laughing like you got a history Amen, we got a testimony. But I could feel it, and I would go to my grandparents' house, a place of righteousness, and my grandfather would start praying over the meal. And every time I'd go to the bathroom, I'd excuse myself. And when he'd begin to bring up righteousness issues and things, I could feel myself getting angry. Why? Righteousness is a mirror to unrighteousness. If the reading of the word And the quoting of scripture angers you. There may be some unrighteousness that the purity of God's word is revealing in your life. What else is the sword of the spirit intended to do? The sword of the spirit brings moral clarity to a confusing world. I said it earlier, but if you cannot determine between good and evil, then you lack all wisdom. Some of us get so frustrated and angry at the preaching of the word. There's so many people that all you have to do is maybe you post a scripture on your Instagram and some of the people in your life are filling up your direct messages, frustrated and angry with you. How dare you? Who do you think you are? I can't believe this. And it's like, whoa, all I did was quote a scripture. Why? Because the Bible is revealing of the unrighteousness. If that angers you, you don't have a revelation of the word of God. See, a lot of people read the Bible as if it's a book of philosophy that you read and determine what applies to me and what doesn't. It's a great book of philosophy and I can get some wisdom from it. And I like this part and I like this this part, but I'm going to reject this portion of it because that really bothers me. But when you get the true revelation that the Bible is Jesus... The Bible is the word of the living God. The Bible is infallible. There is no mistake. And you as a believer and I as a believer don't get to choose what part applies to us and what doesn't. It all applies to us and reveals. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hebrews 4:12 says for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit what is the soul the soul is the mind the will and the emotions the word of God pierces the division of soul and spirit in other words the word of God will help you to realize what is my mind will and emotions and what is the spirit of the lord what is it that i want to do what is it that i think is best What is it that I feel like doing? And what is it that the word of God is actually saying? Of joints and marrows and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is to help you to determine when I'm in the flesh and when I'm in the spirit. What are the thoughts and the intentions of my heart When I lean in and receive the revelation that Jesus is the word, I give up my right to have an opinion when the Bible speaks. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says this. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is teaching us that our personal experience does not change what the Bible says. And when we don't have a revelation of what the Bible is, that it is the Son, that it is Jesus, it is the words of our Father, the Word of God, then we will allow our personal experiences to begin to morph and change and bend what the Bible says. I want to give you some caution. Moral clarity doesn't come naturally. You actually have to search for it. You see, a lot of people believe that wisdom just comes naturally to people. It is a great deception out there. And people have this idea that you are just naturally a good person and that you don't have to read the Bible and you don't have to study and you don't have to search after wisdom and righteousness and holiness. You'll just naturally do it. When the Bible teaches us that the heart of man is turned toward wickedness from his youth. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked, and what man can understand it? Moral clarity and goodness doesn't just come naturally, we must receive it from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 says, This, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding cry out for insight and ask for understanding, search for them as you would for silver, seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain the knowledge of God. What is that telling us? It's telling us if you just sit around and do nothing, it's not just gonna come up out of nowhere. That we have to seek and search and cry out to the Lord for wisdom and understanding and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. Isaiah 5, 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. If it came naturally, this wouldn't happen. The difference between good and evil can often be very confusing. And Christians have been lulled into this world of the enemy that leans more onto how we feel on the inside than what the word of God has to say. We say things like, well, my heart, my empathy, my emotions feel this way. That must be right. We do things like, I just know the Lord and he would never blank. And I know that the Bible teaches this, but I know God and he would never. And what does that mean? What are we doing? We are trusting our heart and our emotions and the wickedness of our flesh over the word of God. I want to give you a, concussion, a caution. Be wary of pastors who are ambiguous or confusing about what they believe. You see, the confusion of some of our preachers, our religious leaders, that isn't a mistake that they're making. It's actually the goal. There's a lot of confusion and ambiguity that goes on. It's why in some churches you can go and you can sit through a message and no matter what side of the issue that you stand on, you will leave feeling affirmed in your own emotional beliefs. If you sit in a church and you never feel challenged in your flesh, they are probably not preaching the word of God. And it's not a mistake that's being made. It is often the goal. Confusion and ambiguity is the goal. Why? Because we have a lot of religious leaders that are marketing marketing directors, not spiritual leaders. They've convinced themselves that they need to be unclear so that they can reach more people. And in reality, they're unclear so they can add numbers to their church and Instagram followers to their page. They've confused building the kingdom with feeding our egos. And we can all fall into this place where we've decided that I'm going to choose to please people more than I am to obey the Lord. And I want us to be careful not to just point the finger at those other people. Right? The ambiguous other people, the unnamed other people, the other churches, the world. No, no. It can happen right here can happen in our own community. It can happen in your own lives where you have so closely held some religious belief that is anti-biblical that you have decided to trust that more than the Word of God. We've got to ask ourselves these questions and seek out the sword of the Spirit. But often these confusing and ambiguous religious leaders are looking for a greater market share And the clearer you are, the more flesh you will upset and the more you will actually divide. When your goal is to have a greater market share, then your message will become more confusing and ambiguous. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says this, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is... John the Baptist speaking, he said, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. What is this saying? It's saying that Jesus will separate the wheat from the chaff. Matthew 25, 32, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats Matthew seven thirteen. enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it this is telling us Jesus was a man of clarity and when you speak with clarity you separate You divide between those that are committed to pleasing the Lord and those that are committed to pleasing ourselves. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, 51, do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division, he said. There is a prevailing ideology that teaches that the Bible is not clear. If you just Google the the, the phrase, the Bible is clear, you will see many articles of this new theology that says the Bible isn't clear. The Bible isn't clear. Hebrews 4.12 said that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, the Bible isn't so complicated that we need you to come along and interpret it for us. But often people complicate what is clearly written in order to relieve themselves of the cutting away of the flesh. What happens, we have decided and we have complicated the Bible. We have dulled the sword of the Spirit. And so there's a theology that is built up that is said, actually, the Bible is very confusing. So you're you're lifted of all responsibility from having any moral clarity. You don't know how you feel about it. Just follow your heart. You don't know how you feel about this scripture that seems to be really clear. Actually, it's really, really complex and complicated. I know that it looks like that this scripture is calling out your sin, but don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. It's not really. It's actually really, really confusing. So you just get to decide how you feel about it. It's a tool of the enemy to dull the sword of the spirit. And God has given us a flaming tool in our arsenal against the works of the enemy. First and foremost, the works of the enemy within our own lives. And he's given us this flaming arsenal that is the word of God. That is to cut out the sin and the cancer. Those things that want to eat away at the health of your spirit. That the word wants to develop within you. But the enemy has so dulled that sword. He's turned the flaming weapon of the sword of the spirit into a sword that has been mounted and placed upon a beautiful setting. It's got a gorgeous frame around it. It's got jewels in the handle. It is shiny. It is beautiful. It is showy. We have hung that sword up on our mantle. And just like a sword that you buy at the mall, it's totally, completely useless. It's a sword that has become so dulled, all it is is hanging above our fireplace for looks. Instead of a weapon, it's become a decoration. Our weapon is spiritual warfare You see, the enemy does what the spirit of the age is doing. The enemy dulls, ah, he dulls the weapon worship team if you would come up. He did it to Jesus in the garden. We read it earlier in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus quoting scriptures to the enemy. The enemy is tempting the Lord. And the Lord Jesus responds with the word of God. And then Satan answers, oh, but it is written. He says, why don't you turn these bread, this, these stones into bread? I know you're hungry, Jesus. It's been 40 days and 40 nights. You've got to be starving. Go ahead. Do the miraculous. I know you can do it. You're incredible. Turn these bread into stone for it is written. The Bible even says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We have entire ministries that are built on perverting the Word of God to do nothing but affirm our sinful lifestyles. Just like Satan did in the garden. Because we've hung our sword above our mantle as a decoration instead of learned how to wield the sword of the spirit, instead of diving into the word of God, instead of doing what Proverbs says and crying out for wisdom and searching through the word, we, we take these perverted meanings of scripture and we, we use it to affirm the place of sin in our lives. See, Jesus knew the Bible. Jesus could pick up the sword of the spirit and respond to the lies of the enemy with the truth of the word. The enemy uses the very thing that is supposed to bring us life and he uses it to to kill us, to kill our righteousness, to kill our effectiveness, to kill our obedience, to kill the purposes and plans of God on our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6 tells us he who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The scripture is referring to the Bible. It says, but the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When does the Bible go from the letter to the spirit? When you realize not only what the Word is, but who the Word is. John chapter 1 1. It's one of my favorite scriptures because upon this is the foundation of our lives. It says In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Revelation 1.16 paints the picture of Jesus. John is seeing Jesus, the resurrected king in heaven, A glorified king. He says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came what? A sharp, two edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. You see, we have built a Jesus. doesn't stand before us with a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth that brings clarity that brings understanding that separates the wheat from the chaff and the sheep from the goat that brings a separation between unrighteousness and righteousness no the Jesus that we've created the only thing that comes out of his mouth is explaining away the sin in our lives had this idea that the mouth of God is, the word of God is not a sharp two-edged sword. No, no. It's just a blanket. It's just a blanket. It covers up all the stuff that we don't want seen. It makes me feel real comfortable. It makes me settle into the place that I'm at and relax and fall asleep. It lulls me into complacency. When the truth of the matter is the Bible brings the clarity that we need. We're in a dark and confusing world. And the enemy has convinced so many of us Try to find understanding in this confusion by looking inward to how we feel instead of going to Jesus, the word. And everybody to close their eyes. Nobody looking around. begin to ask Jesus to give you a revelation of him. Come on with your own mouth. Just begin to ask, Lord, would you give me a revelation of your word? Begin to ask him, Jesus, would you help me to fall in love with the word of God? Jesus, would you help me to realize that your word is not just some book, but it is living and breathing. Your word is not just written by man, but it is breathed out by the very spirit of God. Would you give me a revelation of who you are through your word? Come on, ask him, Jesus, would you make the word of God come alive in me that I'm no longer just reading verses from black and white but God I help us to see the word the way John saw it coming from the mouth of our Savior a two-edged sword that brings clarity that reveals sin that cuts out the compromise that cuts out the unrighteousness that fights our spiritual battles God, would you help us to see the word of God for what it is, a weapon that will bring healing and deliverance and understanding. God, would you help us to learn how to wield this weapon for you, Not a weapon used to abuse and beat up and hurt other people, but God, a weapon used to pull down the strongholds of the enemy, the confusion of the enemy, the lies of the enemy, this warfare of the enemy. God, would you give us a revelation of your word? Come on, just ask him to show you. Look with your spiritual eye. Don't look around. Don't look around. Look with your spiritual eyes. Ask him to show you his word like a two-edged sword. married, I just want you to grab the hand of your spouse. Darling, come to here. With me. I'm going to ask nobody to be moving around, just to receive the word this morning. The Lord showed me a vision of just reading the word of God and that as I did, it would come to life within your spirit. And that for some of us, for the first time, some of these scriptures that are read are going to come to life to you this morning. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her mark 10 9 what therefore god has joined together let not man separate come on declare it first corinthians seven ten. to the married i give this charge not i but the lord the wife should not separate from her husband and the husband should not divorce his wife jesus make this word come alive in people's hearts god i curse divorce I curse divorce, not I but the Lord, not I but the Lord, the word of God says, the wife should not separate from her husband and the husband should not divorce his wife. God let the word of God break the lie of the death of marriages this morning. Ephesians 4 26 be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil James 4 6 but he gives more grace therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble bring humility 1 Corinthians sixteen fourteen: let all that you do be done in love if you got just stretch your hands over to our children to the children's tent if you've got kids in the room lay hands on the kids psalm 127 3 through 5 behold children are a heritage from the lord the fruit of the womb a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one psalm 113 9 he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children praise ye the lord if you're wanting a child lift up your hands Lift your hands up if you're wanting a child. Come on, straight up in the air. If you've been praying and asking, and you can't, and you've been wanting a child, He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Proverbs twenty-two six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our children will not depart from the ways of the Lord. Ephesians six one. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your. Father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And fathers, lay hands on your, your, your own heart if you're a father. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6:5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. If you've been struggling with forgiveness, just lay hands on your heart. Proverbs 24 28. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say I will do to him as he's done to me. I will pay back the man for what he has done. Colossians three thirteen. bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. Ephesians 4 31 let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If you have sickness in your body, I want you to stand up any sickness in your body at all any pain in your body any sickness in your body in your mind, any sickness at all just stand up and lift up your hands Connor had a vision in prayer and he saw these things being healed this morning. I saw a person, a person whose thighs have been hurt. They're hurting and their thighs will be healed. A person whose lungs need to be healed. If you have lung issues, lay hands on your lungs. James 5, 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Philippians 4, 19, my God will meet all your needs. He will meet them in keeping with his wonderful riches that comes to you because you belong to Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been. You have been healed. Say, I have been healed. Say it like you mean it from your spirit. Say, I have been healed. Say it like it's the word of the living God. Say, I have been healed. Say it like the word was the beginning. Say it like the word walked, put on flesh, and dwelt among us. Say it like the word is Jesus. I have been healed of all sickness. I have been healed of all disease. I have been healed of all anxiety. I have been healed of all depression. I have been healed of all confusion. I have been healed of all anger. I have been healed. Of all unforgiveness. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want everybody to lift your hands on this one. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Say love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Against such things there is no law. Come on, ask the Lord, would you clothe me in the fruits of the Spirit? God, let us not be like the spirit of the world that we see earnestly searching for gifts without fruit. But Lord, let us search for the fruits of the spirit. Would you clothe us? Would you wrap us in the fruits of the spirit? If you have any anxiety, grab a hold of these scriptures. Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, do not be anxious. Speak to yourself. Say, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Romans 8 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 1 Corinthians 7:32. I want you to be free from all anxiety. Come on, grab it like it's Jesus speaking for the word is Jesus. He says, I want you to be free from all anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you suffer from depression, or a broken spirit, grab a hold of these words. Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Finally, family, as a church, just lift your hands. As a church, I speak this over us, Exodus thirty-three, fifteen, and he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Say it, say, if your presence does not go with us do not bring us up from here for how shall it be known that I have found favor in sight I and your people is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth Hebrews ten twenty. therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he had opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. First Samuel 235 and I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Oh, God, would you raise us up? Men and women who are faithful priests. Shall do according to what is in your heart and your mind, not ours, not ours, but yours. Matthew 21, 13. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Lord, build your house. Lord, watch over your city. And finally, I want us to speak over the nation of Israel. Zechariah 10:6, I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them and they shall be as though I had not rejected them for I am the Lord their God and I will answer them. Genesis 12:3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Psalms 25:22. redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Deuteronomy 14.2 For you are a people holy to the Lord your God and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth in Romans 11.26 and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written the deliverer will come from Zion he will banish ungodliness from Jacob Jesus banish ungodliness from us would you banish ungodliness from our lives would you banish ungodliness from us God Would you banish ungodliness from our churches, from our families, from our lives, from our cities? Would you banish ungodliness from our political leaders? Would you banish ungodliness in our nation? God, these are not our words, these are your words. Come on, somebody cry out to the Lord. These are not our words, these are your words. Would you drive it out, God? Would you banish ungodliness? Come on, ask Him. Do you have the courage to ask Him? Would you drive out mixture from my life? Would you drive out mixture from my life? Drive out, banish ungodliness? In us first, in us first, in us first, in us first. Lord, we give you permission, Lord. Use the sword of the Spirit. Use the sword of the Spirit in my own life. Cut out all mixture. Cut out all confusion. Cut out all unrighteousness. Cut out all foolishness. Oh, Jesus, anything that isn't you. Anything that isn't you. Anything that isn't you. Ah. I'm gonna have this vision. As I prayed that prayer and we're crying out, anything that isn't you, please don't look don't look up here. Keep your eyes closed, keep your eyes closed, focus on Jesus. As I was praying that prayer, anything that isn't you, anything that isn't you to cut it out, to banish unrighteousness, I saw like a child holding on to their favorite teddy bear. Anybody that has kids know that our kids have something It's a blanket, a teddy bear, something they just can't live without. Most of us in this room have probably turned around on a road trip and driven back an hour to get that thing at one point because they can't sleep without it. It's the favorite thing. And I heard the voice of Jesus say, What if it's your favorite? What if it's your favorite theology? That isn't actually my word. What if it's your favorite? What if it's your favorite political ideology? What if it's your favorite justice issue where you think you're right, but it's actually not my words? What if it's your favorite... What if it's your favorite song or your favorite movie? What if it's your favorite artist? What if it's your favorite sport? What if it's your favorite? What if it's your favorite? What if it's your favorite? Will you give it to it? Will you give it to it? What if it's that thing you said I can't sleep without it? I, I gotta have this with me. This is my favorite. This is my blankie. This is what, this is what comforts me. What if it's our favorite? Bring up the pads, bring up the pads. playing, don't stop playing. Some of you are supposed to bring him your favorite. Lord, would you reveal to us what you want us to lay down? Would you reveal to us what you want us to This morning, open up your mouth and tell him. I give you permission. I give you permission. Let the sword of your spirit reveal. kept hidden, let it reveal